Welcome to The Spawn Chunks, episode number 216 from Monday, October 24th, 2022. My name is Joel Duggan and joining me as always is my friend Johnny, but the internet might know him better as Soaring High Pixel Riffs. Hello, sir. Hello, not quite as high as Falcon in Falcon and the Winter Soldier, which is one of the things we've been talking about on the Render Distance this week, the extended version of the podcast, which our patrons can listen to if you want to check out what else Joel and I have been doing during the week. Then we usually get in a few thoughts about that before we start the main show, and you can tune in yourself if you sign up to be one of our patrons at patreon.com slash the spawn chunks other things patrons can get involved with our monthly minecraft hangout is coming out we usually hang out with our patrons joel and i record the conversation and people in the text chat tell us what they've been doing in their minecraft lives in much the same as we do at the beginning of each show but we're also going to have an extended one of those this saturday october 29th to talk a bit more about what our community's reaction was to the announcements of minecraft live which is going to be even more interesting now that we have access to the snapshot with 1.20 features which we'll be talking about in this week's news but if you're interested in joining in on that once again patreon.com slash the spawn chunks always lovely to welcome new people into our monthly minecraft hangouts so what is new in your minecraft world this week my friend well, I haven't played a great deal of Minecraft in the last month compared to my usual standards. <laughs> I'm used to playing like a great deal, like playing every day and, you know, at least getting a couple of hours in towards recording and stuff. But having spent a bit of time with my father-in-law this last month, basically, while he's been staying with us, I haven't been able to make as much progress as I've wanted to. November will probably make up for that. We've been building up to a big event on Empire's SMP, which I won't spoil, uh, but it's going to be a lot of fun, very collaborative, and we'll start basically like towards the end of this week um so that's given me a good excuse to finish some of my builds which weren't quite done yet uh a couple of weeks back i finished all of the legs of the great bridge which were just like stopped at the water level they were platforms on the water and so i decided to build the rest of those down to the lake bed right now i'm working on my frog light orchard which is just a series of trees for the moment uh there are about 24 of them all in this big patch and i wanted to make sure that that at least felt a little bit more decorated so there are paths between the trees for the farm workers to go and you know pick the frog lights off the trees in the fiction of this world there are little barrels around and maybe some farm equipment and stuff like that i'm still working on some of the details throwing in some uh mangrove roots almost like there's been a hedge there that's just kind of either like grown wild or has rotted down a little bit and i've just put some loose fences and i tend to use buttons when it looks like a fence post is missing like maybe a fence post that's been worn down to a stub or has broken off at a certain point and so i'm I'm using bits and pieces of the decorative stuff that i normally put into builds like this to decorate my frog light orchard and that's really it for me this week i really like the idea of using a button for a, a post stub you know like i the kind of like the part that would be in the ground where it would break off that point because that's where the tension would be you know Mm -hmm. yeah i've I've used that a couple of times i don't know if i have any screenshots of ideal examples but i do that occasionally when i'm building balconies with fences on and i want there to be a gap in the balcony you can put a fence gate in there of course to have something that the player can walk through but i do like the additional option of having just a button on the ground to indicate that one of these has snapped off and is in need of repair or something I've been doing that with uh, a combination of trapdoors and, and signs on bushes to make it look like a different kind of fence. So mm-hmm. yeah. using the trapdoors as like the main post part and then the fence is kind of like the slats or not the not the slats, not the fence. The um, the sign is kind of like a slat version or yeah. a flat, flat plank version. Like a fence of panel, yeah. Fence panel, yeah. It's, uh, it's very effective. 
and 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 difficult to do all in, in a row if you want to have it look more organic but that that kind of leads you to having like you know a combination of both foliage and bushes and the fences creating the barrier and it mm -hmm. looks a little bit more organic and run down and stuff like that but i've never thought about using a, a i've used a, a button for a stone to fill in a spot but i've never thought about using a, a similar toned button from the wood selections to make a, a fence post i will be stealing that <laughs> yeah please feel free i i will grab some screenshots of it when i can but uh not sure i'll be able to get them from the show notes and a lot of the screenshots that i have including this detail also contain spoilers so we'll have to uh wait for that to come out next week i should be able to talk about it a little bit more um what's new with you on the citadel so same same deal i've only had a couple of streams over the last few weeks because of the minecraft live timing uh and and other things that i wanted to get done um, but i have worked on a number of things in the tiger hill mansion exterior and interior we uh, i took a break from the kitchen that was stumping me and worked on the back garden as well as a custom tree that was hiding that staircase down to a small dock that i wanted to not be super super obvious uh having some fun with hiding some glow lichen to make sure that everything is not spawnable uh, and uh, unfortunately with my shaders, the glow lichen ends up showing up very brightly, but in regular Minecraft kind of without the shaders on, you don't really notice the glow lichen at all. Mm -hmm. You just get a little bit of a, a glow in an area and it's kind of, the, it was serving two purposes. It was like keeping it spawn proof. So I don't have any surprises and just like, just like level one, level two, level three, that kind of thing. But then also highlighting important things that you wanted to look at, like an awning that I had set up in the back that's meant to have like, you know, protection from the rain and sun over a seating area. And having that needed to be lit up also gave it like a little bit of extra light, which makes it more visible. It makes, it makes you look in that direction. And the palette for this has always been kind of like rose bushes, berry bushes, uh, azalea, not azalea, um, mangrove leaves because they change color in the taiga biome. And the hardest part about building in the taiga biome is being spoiled by azalea and moss blocks to then be able to do landscape with them. Moss doesn't look good with the mint, like the mint grass color in yeah, taiga biomes. Yeah. So you can't like dither it in. Like you kind of have to create an entire little sub biome between two trees, turn it all into moss and then lay your stuff on top of it. And it looks fine. But if you kind of have like grass and dirt and moss all next to each other, it does not fly. Yeah. So the first thing I did was basically like remove all the grass and replace it with coarse dirt and then started to put moss in where I didn't want to see the side of a dirt block and then layered that over top of things. Now, one thing I really did find useful is mangrove roots. I was using that to do some custom tree roots down into the river. And on places where I didn't want to put a moss block, but I really didn't want to see that ugly side of the grass block, you know, with the, the dirt and grass combo, mm -hmm. putting mangrove roots over top of it. It's they're they're a busy enough block. They completely hide what's behind it. You can't yeah. really see what the block is. Whereas if you put a bush over it, you can still see like a leaf block. You can still see through a leaf block pretty easily. Like you can see the dirt behind it. And so the mangrove uh, root block was was great for that. And uh, in the garden, I was also messing around with muddy mangrove roots to try and get some different textures under bushes. It looks like it looks like roots, you know, it looks like the roots of a bush, which is cool. Mm -hmm. um, it's a deadly place to walk around because it's only four <laughs> or five blocks wide. And every time you back up to look at something, you get stitched in the back from from the berry bushes. And yeah. <laughs> um, I, I made a mental note like 
they do a very clear job of illustrating to you that it is not a thing that you want to touch danger step away but my gosh is it unnerving like it's just it's very dramatic for how little it does to you just like the <laughs> you know? sharp sound of it it does sound like you've just been stabbed <laughs> it's like yeah it's yeah. that kind of cartoonish sound that just goes and you're like ah no <laughs> yeah it's like yeah. is worm tongue behind yeah. me what's going on and this it is make, not makes me jump. not good really yeah does. yeah it's it's dramatic for how like it, it's I feel like walking on magma blocks is less of a dramatic effect than yeah. being pricked by a berry bush, right? These are these are evil bushes, man. Um, the the rest of it was just spent outside, uh, putting up some lights, um, trying to keep with the color. I'm doing a lot of uh, soul fire lanterns to kind of keep the blue gloom kind of going uh, in the area. And I am thinking about changing the main key block above the door from an emerald mini block to something else that's blue just so it kind of works a little bit better. I do like the emerald, but it's it's just a little bit too bright, unfortunately, in that texture. Mm -hmm. uh, and then on Sunday, I went in and I took the extra time, and I kid you not, it took me the entire stream to detail out the, the kitchen. And it's pretty good. Like, it's not the best uh, that it could be, but I've textured the floor and I've used the armor stands and mini blocks to put things like a roast in the oven, bread and a pumpkin on the table, uh, used a pressure plate to make it look like a cutting board or a plate. Um, I find the mini blocks really helpful because of the angles you can put them on. Yeah. And and same thing with, you know, um, putting a loaf of bread on the, on the table, but then changing it so it's on like a 30 or 40 degree angle. It really kind of helps break up those things in Minecraft. Um, but I also had a couple of other tricks. Unfortunately, I don't have a screenshot of them, but like things like, you know how you can pile snow layers on top of a, of a shelf to make it look like linen piled yeah. up? Yeah, yeah. Well, if you want it to look like a platter or other useful things, a birch trapdoor or an iron trapdoor, they don't look like linen. They look like a solid thing, but you can't see the top of it because the shelf is above eye level. Mm -hmm. So I used an iron trapdoor next to some linen to kind of make it look like, well, maybe that's a serving platter or like it could be anything, but it sure, definitely has yeah. a it has a metal looking texture and it really helped spice things up. I hung some fish from tripwire hooks, just like the normal stuff. Nothing too crazy. Uh, I was happy with things like the axe and the log near the stove. And I really enjoyed putting a bone inside of a jungle log to make it look like a roast, like a leg of lamb or something was, was mm -hmm. in the oven, which is kind of fun. Um, everything else is just kind of standard, but it's the kind of thing that is worth it, but took forever. And yeah. I had to kind of dial it back because like, I am never going to be down here again. Like this yeah. is purely for the stream content and the fact that I do not want to leave this untouched because it looks unfinished without anything on the tables, right? Yeah, no, I, I definitely feel you there. Like, it's it's one thing when you've got ideas and the ideas are flowing and you're doing this for you and it's, like, maybe your main house that you're going to come back to in this area, whereas if it's a big build project like this, you do take a step back and go, wait a minute, why am I stressing over these decisions? <laughs> because mm -hmm. it's re it, realistically, it's something that you're not going to see all that much. People might stop by, but it's, it's like making sure your room is tidy just in case the queen comes over, which is the excuse yeah. I think my parents always gave for me to clean my room. But it's like, yeah. it's probably not going to happen, but you're sort of doing it on the off chance that anybody else ever looks at this interior ever again. Well, and the whole challenge with this is to make sure I'm designing everything in the round. So like everything's got a backyard or a, it, it's all designed 360. So like, yeah, no matter which way you're viewing it, because there are moments when you like you look at this one part of this particular build, what's left is actually the the east face of the t of the actual hall, as well as some exterior landscaping and, and whatnot. And 
I haven't thought about it much because you can't see it when you're up on the hill or even when you're in or around the grounds. However, the east face is what you can see when you're like two blocks away. So like I need to do something with it. I can't leave it plain the way that it is. I have to add something to it. So uh, it's considering what the thing looks like now from farther away and how the experience of approaching it feels. Uh, I'm not looking forward to how much landscaping I'll have to do. I, as much as I like landscaping, it's the kind of thing where I will, I can get lost in that. And then ha yeah. again, have to pull away and be just like, look, if I want to finish this town by the end of the year, which is my goal, I'm probably gonna have to start putting a little bit more time in, in, in Minecraft. And I think it's just this particular project. I do like the way the Taiga mansion has come together, but when I finish it, hopefully next stream, that'll be a total of 15 streams. So multiply, multiply that by around three. And that's the number of hours it's taken to make this, build work yeah and yeah and i'm like i'm ready to move on to something else i don't think it's necessarily minecraft that's burning me out but you know as we might get into in some of our you know update discussions there is there does come that time when you know new things are coming and you're just like god i wish i had this now yeah yeah my, my next I, question was basically going to be how much do yeah. you want hanging signs yesterday <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> well nothing has a sign because i hadn't gone through and done that yet yeah. So, um, and if they did, it's it's not a sign so much as it's I opted for the um, the item frame with item in it. So, like you know, a sword above a blacksmith's, or you know, uh, like a I think I put like a pork chop over the butcher's something yeah, like yeah. you know, just that kind of a thing, just to kind of give that that idea of what might be inside, as if it's like a little painted sign with no words on it. Um, but I very much would like to have. Uh, signs and we'll get into some of that in in our news discussion and stuff so uh, speaking of you ready to just kind of dive right into this yeah we might as well there's a lot to read here so let's tackle it now so last week uh we had the first minecraft java edition snapshot for 19.3 and that is snapshot 22w42a as well as minecraft bedrock preview 1.19.50.21 we'll have links to both of those articles in the show notes and the uh the bit of a, a read here at the start going forward we are taking a bit of a different approach to how we release minor and major versions of minecraft java edition essentially we will be releasing minor versions more often details about major and minor versions in the java edition can be outlined in the article we'll have in our show notes called major and minor versions in minecraft java edition to summarize, major versions will introduce a large amount of new gameplay features and usually be packaged in a nice format. Minor versions or dot releases won't introduce much new content, but will address small improvements and bug fixes. New features in 22w42a. Some experimental features are now available through the built-in experimental data packs. Bundles are now available as an experimental data pack and they've added a new panorama scroll speed accessibility option. In experimental features, in this snapshot, Mojang has introduced feature toggles. Feature toggles in Java edition is a separate article we'll have linked. When enabled, feature toggles can expose new items, mobs, and other gameplay features that are not otherwise present. Feature toggles in Java edition are enabled as part of a built-in data pack, Feature toggles can only be enabled in new worlds, not existing worlds. Players will receive a warning about potentially unstable features before creating a world with feature toggles enabled. Players will see experimental as a qualifier in the world list when choosing a world to play in that has feature toggles enabled. 
experimental features may change drastically or be cut entirely from future releases. The Camel. Camels are now available with the update 1.20 experimental features enabled. Camels can be equipped with a saddle and ridden by two players. Camels naturally spawn in desert villages. Most hostile mobs will not be able to reach you when you're on a camel. Camels can walk over fences. And while they walk slowly, they do sprint quickly and they can also dash forward, but with a loss in stamina after doing so. The bamboo wood set is part of the experimental features data pack. Standard wood type blocks with the exception of logs and wood associated with trees. Bamboo instead has the bamboo mosaic block, a unique block to that set. Bamboo planks can be crafted in a two by two bamboo recipe. Bamboo mosaic blocks are crafted in a one by two bamboo slab recipe with one over top of the other. You can also craft stair and slab variants of the bamboo mosaic blocks. Bamboo planks can be used to craft bamboo rafts. The crafting recipe is the same as boats made from other plank types. The chiseled bookshelf, again enabled through the experimental data pack. This chiseled bookshelf is crafted with six planks and three slabs of any wood type. The slabs replace the books in the existing books recipe. So it's kind of like a, a plank slab plank sandwich. Chiseled bookshelves can store books, books and quills, written books and enchanted books with a capacity of up to six books. Comparators can detect the last book placed slash removed in a chiseled bookshelf. Hanging signs, again, enabled through the experimental data pack. Hanging signs are crafted with six stripped logs and two chains arranging in the shape of a hanging sign. And the recipe yields six hanging signs. Hanging signs can be hung from underneath a full block that can provide support. Underneath a block that can provide support in the center, like a fence attached to the side of a solid block and attached to the side or bottom of another hanging sign. Unlike normal signs, they cannot be placed directly on the ground or without support from the side or above. However, hanging signs that have the horizontal bar attached to the side of a block or another hanging sign will not break when the supporting block is removed. Under sounds, various wood types now have unique sounds when played, broken, or walked on. There are three sets of unique sounds, overworld wood types, nether wood types, and bamboo. There are a few other changes in Java Edition 22W42A. They have reworked the Creative Inventory tabs, made a few changes to chat. The Realms News button will now show a confirmation screen before you open the link to Realms News. And Stronghold Placement Code has been changed to be more efficient, causing a couple of Stronghold positions to shift. In a bit more detail about the Creative Inventory, the ordering of tabs and contents in the Creative Inventory on Java Edition has been tweaked to make the experience of finding relevant blocks and items easier. Blocks and items have been moved into categories that fit them better. Blocks are now ordered by material as much as possible. For example, all oak block variants are next to one another along with the logs, strip logs, etc. Some items can now be found in more than one tab. Doors are both decorative and also a redstone component. Various tabs have been removed or collapsed into others, and the search tab now lists items sequentially grouped by the other tabs. Items found under building blocks will always appear before items under redstone blocks, and exciting news for anybody who has made this mistake the way I have, you no longer find infested stone types appearing before their stone type variants without silverfish hiding in them. The petrified oak slab has also been removed from the creative inventory, but can still be accessed through commands. This is kind of the first iteration to bring a better 
experience to the creative inventory and Mojang is looking closely at feedback and iterating on this in future as needed. In chat news, they have removed the chat preview functionality entirely. Chat messages deleted by server moderators will no longer be completely hidden, but replaced by this message has been deleted by the server. Deleted chat messages will now be displayed in the chat window for at least three total seconds before they are hidden. The chat trust status indicators have also been tweaked. There are details available in the Minecraft.net article linked in our show notes. A few more technical changes in 22W42A include adding some feature flags, world options to enable or disable experimental or unfinished features, a few network protocol changes, instances of recipe types that have recipe books now have the field category to determine placement, the resource pack version for the snapshot is now on version 13, and there's a few more details of these technical changes available once again at the minecraft.net article linked in our show notes. A few fixed bugs of note in this snapshot for Java edition. Mobs building up fall damage when dangling on a lead has finally been fixed, so good news, people will no longer find those dangling llamas from the Wandering Trader immediately dying on impact with the ground. Uh, you cannot hold Q to drop items rapidly from container inventories, that has been fixed, and mobs spawning on scaffolding has also been fixed since that's not an intended behavior. A lot of the other fixes are related to in uh, creative inventory changes, and once again the full list of bugs can be found in the Minecraft.net article linked in our show notes. We'll also briefly cover a few changes in Bedrock Edition Preview 119.50.21. That includes all of the 1.20 features we've discussed above, camels, chisel bookshelves, and the like. They've also updated sounds for various wood-type blocks, both for the 1.20 revisions, and things like trapdoors now use the same sound effects as Java Edition for parity. They've adjusted baby villager movement speed when playing with other villagers, and they've also made some tweaks to touch controls. Summarized briefly, they've removed action delay from the attack and interact buttons, they've adjusted the behavior of the on-screen joystick and how the player reacts to it, a tap gesture will now fire a charged crossbow where previously it was necessary to hold down the gesture before the bolt would fire, similar to a bow, and they fixed an issue where players couldn't drag and drop in the anvil screen. Once again, a few more bug fixes and tweaks can be found at the Minecraft.net article linked in our show notes. We're not done. There is more. Uh, an official article has been posted introducing the new default skins that you will find in the Minecraft launcher and in the dressing room on Bedrock Edition. As we reported from the Minecraft Live show, there are seven new default player skins called Noor, Sunny, Ari, Zuri, McKenna, Kai, and Efe. Each of these seem to be gender-neutral names in their respective cultures of origin. Noor, for example, is a gender-neutral Arabic name. To quote from the article directly, the default skins are simply a ready-to-wear option, allowing you to choose from nine skins instead of just two, and all of them will be available in both wide and narrow models. Minecraft is a space for everyone. Whoever you are, wherever you are, however you play, you are welcome in here. But we want to keep working towards making Minecraft feel both welcoming and familiar. We want to help everyone see themselves in Minecraft, so we have created more options that better reflect our community. These new skins will be popping up in all sorts of places, just like Alex and Steve. Over on Minecraft.net you will also find an introductory article for the Minecraft Dungeons Seasonal Adventure Fauna Fair, which is the third seasonal adventure released just this past week on October 19th, 2022. The update is themed around pets and mobs. As usual, a free track and a paid premium track will earn you a variety of rewards as you make progress in the game. There are 
Also a few features available to all players. The tower has expanded to allow up to four player multiplayer. The enchantsmith has been added to the player camp, allowing you to spend gold to reroll an enchant on one piece of gear. I think you need to replay the high block halls level in order to find and unlock the enchantsmith, but once you find him and rescue him there, he's added to the camp later. There is also a new jungle level called Treetop Tangle now available. That's also available to all players. There is also a Minecraft Dungeons Halloween event, I think is releasing on October 26th so there will probably be an article later in this week but we couldn't find one on minecraft.net that was strictly linked to the halloween event on minecraft dungeons so as for now just keep an eye peeled for that and i'm sure you'll see it pop up this wednesday so there's an awful lot to unpack including our first-hand experiences uh messing around in the snapshots uh content you know the extended content with the mm -hmm. 1.20 stuff but one thing I wanted to point out right away is the big shift from uh, only major releases and the addition of minor releases as dot releases in between, because this is something I've been talking about on the show as as a, a request or something that I think would be beneficial to Minecraft for quite a while. And I love that they're doing this. I think it's it's great that they are very clearly setting expectations. There's not going to be much new content, if any at all in these snapshots uh, for, or in these updates rather. Um, but what they will include will be things like quality of life improvements, uh, bug fixes, potential features, but not, you know, not anything kind of like the big shiny stuff is gonna be part of the major releases because they have a nice package like the nether update or caves and cliffs, like the kind of thing that they can put on a big, you know, website banner and, and generate a lot of attention for. Yeah, I'm all for this. Uh, it, it's good for players. It's good for podcasters. <laughs> uh, and, and I'm excited. I think it's a great move. Yeah, I think it's it's unusual, really. I couldn't quite get my head around it at first because we've obviously had dot releases in the past which have had bug fixes have had a couple of minor tweaks we got things like a lay duplication arriving mm -hmm. in a dot release for 1.19 we had things like firework rocket boosting being applied to a light try think in 111 dot something so it's not something that i was entirely like sure why they were doing it except that i think instead of it being about new features it's more about oh hey there's something that we don't want to wait until 1.20 to add as a quality of life feature we could basically do it now with all of the options that we have available to us in 119 and we're not just going to hold out on you to make you know the crafting table recipe book better or something like that they're not just going to save that stuff up for a future release and so yeah i it, it makes sense to me and it doesn't sound like a huge deviation from the way things were before really but i i like the the transparency around it the fact that they're communicating this kind of clearly and we'll probably see more of those changes brought to bear in future that's going to clarify this for anybody who's still a little bit confused like i am so i think one thing to remember is that a lot of the dot releases while they often do include things they usually are prompted by like critical bugs or something that really needs to get fixed because it's it's a it's breaking the game in some way and and they use that opportunity to to bring in some other things like a lay duplication um, I think it's also a great way for them to, um, I am by them, I mean, Mojang be able to have something all the way ready for release. And if something snags or if they aren't quite ready, we'll use the LA, for example, rather than holding the entire LA back and saying, this isn't ready for, for the release, they could say, 
here's everything we've got with the LA. It is 90% complete. You can expect a minor update in the coming weeks or months that will add these new things. We're just, we're just kind of figuring out some details and I'd rather, I'd rather get 90% of something than wait for the entire thing. If that delay is unexpected, yeah. right? I think it allows them to, uh, sidestep when something comes up that we don't know about, you know, whether it's, I mean, it could be something as simple as, you know, a, a member of the team that's key to the development of a certain feature being out ill, you know, like yeah, just yeah. things like that, that can, that can throw a monkey wrench that you don't expect. Uh, I feel like they're able to then say like, look, we can get most of the way there and there's no reason not to hold back. I think too, that if any improvements involve older content, you know, like fixing leads and, and the, and the drop damage from, from, or fall damage from animals dangling on leads like that to me doesn't need to wait for a full release right like if you can fix that now fix that now yeah you know and the same goes for stuff like the creative inventory reshuffles like i'm ready yes. to start using those yeah. already mm -hmm. um and i haven't had a chance to build all that much in this snapshot yet but i'm i'm really hoping that that's the kind of stuff that we'll see a couple more, you know, shuffles around and tweaks to. I would love there to be different options for how the creative inventory orders itself, like sorting options, but maybe they can build that into a future release because I know there are some people who wanted it one way, some who wanted it the other. I think this is a huge change and I think one that's really, really good because I am tired of scrolling down to find where the prismarine slabs and stairs are because they've been added at different times to the prismarine blocks and I want mm. to use them in tandem with other things. Like, normally if i grab a couple of materials out of the creative inventory i'm grabbing their block variants as well i'm grabbing their stairs and slabs and the fact that it's all next to each other now works way better for my workflow than you know messing around like most of the time i would just start searching for stuff because i didn't know exactly where to find it and it would just save me a moment of frustration here and there so i think that's that's really powerful and for the people who wanted things grouped by types of blocks like stairs and slabs all being in the same place, you can always go to the t the search tab and you can type the first couple of letters of slab and it will give you all of the slabs right there, which didn't yeah. feel possible to do with, you know, some other things where the variants on things are, are named differently or, you know, whatever issues might come up. They're, they're always, um, you know, there are always ways around that. You learn the best workflow for yourself, but... I'm I'm looking forward to it. I think it's a good change. I never use the normal tabs. I only use the search tab. Like when I'm looking for something, I just default to the search tab and just start typing the name of it or the name of the the group, you know, stair, slab, you know, whatever that happens to be. Um, but I don't do an awful lot of work in, in creative. And I'm curious, there are spaces in the UI for extra tabs. Like they haven't filled up all of the tab spaces yet. Mm -hmm. I'm wondering if there's going to be more tabs added or while I know you can do your own custom hotbars and have multiple hotbars, I wonder if they'll ever let players create their own tab, like create a block of your favorites, like a favorites tab, like a, yeah, like yeah. a favorite, <laughs> like a bookmark list, you know, a favorites tab would be really good. Yeah. There's, there's definitely options for that. And it also leaves the vanilla interface open for expansion through mods and data packs and stuff like that as well. They do that with advancements. Now, if you have, a custom advancements data pack it gets added as another tab for your advancement screen alongside adventure and husbandry and all of the different categories of vanilla advancements so there is room for the creative inventory to be expanded in a similar fashion and obviously it leaves them room for either like quality of life stuff like a favorites tab or just a whole new category of items that might end up coming to us in future 
With regards to the snapshot features, I think the only challenge that they have, while it is clear in terms of the data pack being labeled 1.20, like this, these are 1.20 features, not 1.19.3 features, you know, um, I think that in, in their Minecraft article and in just my play experience, I have to remind myself that the things that I played with in the latest snapshot are not coming in 19.3. Yeah, <laughs> right? yeah, of course. Like you, ha you have to separate, you know, what's what uh, in, in terms of that. So, uh, and uh, for the update cycle, if you are wanting to play the snapshots as they come out week to week, you are not going to be able to use the same world that you created this week with the 1.20 features in the next snapshot, you'll have to re-add the features because they may have changed. So you yeah. won't be able to roll that world forward. You'll have to start a new one. So I personally played a survival, you know, stream for about two, three hours to explore and see how long it would take to get going. I gave myself the advantage of looking up a seed where you start in a bamboo forest, just like bamboo yeah. was right there. I didn't have to go looking for it, but, uh -huh. but I, I gave me myself that experience and I, I will say that if if that's the way going forward, I'm probably not going to do very much survival exploration. I'm probably just going to pop it in on my own and do some creative just just to kind of look at the blocks and play with them and be able to talk about them on the show because I don't want to do the same five minutes of survival or not five minutes, but the same hour of early game survival every single time. And I did it on purpose this time because I wanted to know how easy it would would be to get the new things, to get the new bamboo blocks, to get the hanging signs and to figure all that kind of stuff out. We had to find some iron, but that was really the only bottleneck uh, because again, I started with the bamboo. Um, so to jump into that, um, I know you did uh, a video about the new the new snapshot as well. I believe also in survival, right? Yeah, I did a survival video and I did a separate stream where I played around with some of the features in creative and okay. got to build with the bamboo a little bit more where I'd mostly just been collecting the blocks and putting them in a big pile <laughs> the way that you kind of do with like a, a pallet of blocks. And I hadn't really spent a great deal of time actively building with those features. Plus, there are a couple of errors in the implementation of hanging signs, which meant two of them were uncraftable. So I wanted to make sure I could craft a couple of those because oh, okay. Birch, I think, just was missing entirely. The recipe wasn't there. And they gave jungle wood hanging signs the oak wood crafting recipe, which meant you couldn't craft them. It just made an oak sign instead. So I, I wanted to see the entire range. I wanted to mess around with those in creative as well. So yeah, I, I got a bit of hands-on experience with with all of it after a while. So I didn't see the whole range because I was in a jungle desert badlands kind of situation. So I got to see, you know, camel. I got to see hanging signs of a couple of different wood types. And I got to mess around with um, with bamboo, of course. So, I mean, do you want to start there with the, the big bamboo in the room, as it as it were? Yeah, um, I think it's a cool addition to wood types. I think the color is what most people are having an issue with. I think bamboo mm -hmm. color works fine for me. I can imagine using it as an accent material or for build styles where it's an appropriate material. I'm not trying to match it with other wood types myself. So, like, I can see people... I think you mentioned in your stream wanting to pair it with oak wood and birch and, and the similar kind of, like, lighter, slightly yellower wood types and i'm not necessarily seeing it as a block i need to do that with mostly because the texture is different like the texture doesn't pair with wood planks really at all and so i find myself not needing to use it for that um i i mainly just want to try and find the right like combinations of stuff for it like i think it'd look really good with green terracotta and concrete and that kind of stuff and i think as a 
modern building material mixed in amongst all of the flatter textured blocks like that, I think it could stand out really well. My favorite thing being that bamboo mosaic effectively allows you to end two of the vertical stripes of bamboo, have them cut off at a certain point, and then continue them above that if you just put one bamboo mosaic block in there amongst the regular bamboo planks. I think that as an aesthetic looks very cool, has its modern touches. You can create diagonal stripes using the mosaic blocks, which I think looks quite good. So there's a lot of flexibility there, even if it's not the the closest to the existing wood types that we already have. Yeah, my my current criticism of it is is the color temperature. I think that it can be kind of the yellowy, you know, uh, tone that it is if it wasn't so green. I feel like because it is in a warm biome and there like things like jungle wood and birch and oak and all the different browns, things like the Badlands blocks are mostly warm colors. There are green terracotta, but like, you know, most of them are are warm and for that, I feel like it should go with more of the beige blocks because as it stands, like you could match it with maybe a jungle log because jungle logs have got those green flecks in it. Mm-hmm. And uh, I didn't get to everything because, again, I was playing in a survival world and I didn't have I didn't really tip over into the creative um, or think about it until the stream was over. Um, but the that's the hiccup for me. I do like the texture in terms of the pattern and the design of it. Like it looks like strapped bamboo, like it, it looks as if you would put bamboo together and make a wall. Um, I kind of wonder whether it would benefit from being directional, like a log. And mm-hmm. I know that other planks are not directional, but these yeah. are bamboo planks and they don't have a log or a wood variant. The only thing they have that's unique to them is is the mosaic block. And uh, I feel like having them be directional would be cool because then you could have them be horizontal if you wanted to run them horizontal for like roof paneling or a, like roofs on the outside of something. Like if you wanted to have bamboo uh as a roof tile or a roof texture i feel like being able to change its direction would be would be better um but that's i mean again that's that's one of those things where like i i can see where they might not want to set a precedent because it's called a bamboo plank i think yeah and and they don't want to set the precedent that other planks would then be directional because then we could have vertical planks which would be great but like again it's going to open up a whole can of worms and potentially make things way more difficult to place the correct way if you wanted to just Mm. make a floor Mm. nice and easily i can imagine a lot of people getting frustrated by that and and i think the other thing that stood out to me immediately uh because i did start off with bamboo is it is a powerful early game tool you can craft sticks chests and trapdoors things players need immediately for infrastructure right off the bat. If you need a lot of trapdoors for a farm, if you need chests for anything, you know, uh, if you need a lot of sticks right away. I mean, bamboo has always done that, but if you craft your bamboo into planks excitedly, you can still get the exact same number of sticks that you would get out of other planks as you would just using bamboo. Uh, You cannot use a bamboo mosaic as fuel but you can use bamboo planks as fuel so you can't make charcoal with it but you could make charcoal out of wood or log blocks you have without having to burn wood or coal you could just burn bamboo yeah which you could yeah. do which you could do before, which you could do before anyway um but you can you can bamboo if you want to take the time to craft it into planks you can have a more efficient fuel if you take the time yeah, because the planks smelt three items, or, or it's, it's like 
two yeah. planks for three items, right? So it's like one and yeah. a half per plank, as opposed one to... One and a half, you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah as, as opposed to if you're making like four sticks worth of fuel or something like that. Yeah, so it it sort of wor- it works out on balance. And I think the fact that the, the bamboo is a two by two crafting recipe is great because then that makes the maths work out in terms of if you put eight sticks into it sorry if you put eight pieces of bamboo into two planks you get four sticks which is how many sticks you would get if you put those eight bamboo into the stick recipe so like that mathematically i think it works out but yeah like you i think one of its greatest strengths is this alternate path it gives players for utility wood bamboo grows really fast you don't need to bone meal it you can just plant it and have it regrow like almost instantly and it chops down instantly with a sword. So you don't need to worry about like the grind of, you know, chopping your way up a tree with a stone axe. You make a stone sword, you're slicing bamboo left and right. Um, and it's also way more accessible to auto farm than other wood types. So as you pointed out in our live show covering the Minecraft live uh, stream this year, if you have an automatic bamboo farm, that's just infinite chest from that point onwards. Like you don't even need to worry about farming utility wood from spruce trees or whatever you do beforehand. And even if it's not automatic, like similar to sugarcane, like it exponentially gets larger. Like once you chop down your first couple bamboo plants, then you've got dozens of plants that you can have. Yeah. And yeah, then no, like no waiting with, for saplings, right? You just no, replant exactly. the bamboo. Within, within the hour, you know, you're going to have more bamboo than you know what to do with. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it goes quickly. If you're making blocks of it, like it disappears really quickly. It's similar to like nether bricks and anything like that that take a while to get and you start yeah. crafting enough in a two by two crafting recipe like it they, it disappears pretty quickly um i would also say that you know while bamboo is a cool texture minus for me the color of it i think it is quite busy and i think that unfortunately all of the marketing material that they have around this is just bamboo like top to bottom bamboo everywhere and it doesn't do it justice it looks much better when you frame it with like darker blocks or have it as like elements here a wall accent wall or you know as i think you were doing it uh messing around with using it as like a mat you know, in your in your video, like having different options and things like that are are interesting. And I think it's going to be better seen as a lot of Minecraft blocks are in small doses, you know, like or or repeated patterns that are broken up by by other blocks. Yeah. Um, the only the only other thing that I noticed about the bamboo, um, I don't know if you caught this, but I was getting turned around something fierce trying to use the bamboo raft. And it's because you can't see the bow because of how flat the model is when you're in a boat. And you go forward generally when you're looking straight ahead you can see the front of the boat just a little bit at the bottom of your screen you can't see the raft you have to look down to yeah. see the raft to figure out where you're going because i definitely pressed forward and went backward <laughs> <laughs> one day and i was like well, that's not that's not how that's supposed to go so i found myself getting very turned around now when you're looking at a bamboo raft you can see it quite clearly because of the way that the oars are oriented right but when you're in it it's not quite as easy uh to see what's what's going on yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know if I found that, but maybe I was just like, I, I think I only used the, the raft for short stretches of time. I mostly then started putting mobs on it, which I think right. is quite fun because like they, they don't have the shaped hull around the mob so that it feels like the mob is just kind of sat on a platform. And there is a um a, a kind of traditional folk song shanty song called Chicken on a Raft that I got a lot of mileage out of on my live stream. So I thought that was pretty funny. But I yeah, was lurking. I, that was very, very funny. Yeah, I, I need to make like a, a YouTube short or a TikTok or something of that at some stage. But um yeah, I, I think the rafts are cool. I, I think if anything, they make me wish we had other boat styles for the existing wood types because mm-hmm. I would love there to be like a... um 
like a birch boat that would looked a bit more like a hollowed out birch log like a canoe sort of shape almost or a yeah. kayak you know i'd love there to be uh i don't know maybe a, a jungle would think it'd look a little bit more like a raft but made in a slightly different style you could imagine the spruce ones being like a viking longboat with like a llama head at the front or something or maybe even a camel head now you know <laughs> they've they've heard of camels even if they're not native to the tiger i feel like there could just be a, a couple of other things i don't necessarily need that because that's a lot of extra design work that has to go into those but I could see the raft being like the gateway to players asking for more decorative stuff like that that sets the the different types of boats apart from each other. I think the challenge there is just to keep them in the same hitbox because there's that redstone function for them and and like having the, that kind of utility I think has to be maintained. But yeah, I mean they could absolutely change the models. I mean like take a look at the camel model. Like the hitbox of the camel is just the body. The head does not, you know, it's not included in that yeah so you can have a hitbox be a different shape than the actual model and i like the idea of having you know different different models the the canoe idea is great i, I it would change maybe the shape of the boat a little bit but yeah 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 it would be it would be interesting although i don't know how many people want like their zebra boat <laughs> going down, <laughs> yeah, going well, down we'll... the 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 rivers in minecraft we'll, we'll make we'll... it a stripped birch boat we'll compromise there you, there go. you go yeah yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. yeah. It makes um, it look faster streamlined right you you brought up the camel already let's go to the camel yeah. um i i have a couple of questions about the camel namely that when i have found them i found one in the survival world and i found two in desert villages in my creative test world but i only ever found one per village i got lucky with the the creative world and i found two desert villages that were very close to each other did you find more than one camel in a desert village when you found them no yeah so that's that's my main question because right now it says camels spawn in desert villages which isn't strictly speaking speaking true they generate during world generation in desert villages but if you consider that the desert village in minecraft is not necessarily i mean it's a structure you can locate it using the world seed but it's not like a pillager outpost in that the pillagers would continue to spawn there camels don't seem to do that from what i've seen or if they do it's one of those things where the world fills up with passive mobs and it doesn't really leave much mob cap left for the camels to respawn but i don't know if camels actually respawn at desert villages yet i have a feeling they only spawn during world generation right now otherwise a player could make a desert village by you know curing a zombie villager somewhere giving them a workstation and a bed that's technically a desert village that's how cats end up spawning around villagers and iron golems when you get enough of them together so how right. does the camel spawn mechanic work that's something that i'd probably have to if i was somebody who knew how to do this dive into the code to actually find out because they don't mention it at all in the snapshot changelog they just say camels spawn in desert villages and i need to know the specifics of that because i've only ever found one camel at a time it means i couldn't breed them until i went into the creative world and happened to find two villages that were close to each other i think maybe the phrasing there should be camels spawn as part of desert villages right yeah yeah i think that's that would clarify things for me if that's the case but if it's not i have no evidence to the contrary <laughs> i for me i just found the one and it was fun to mess around with just to kind of grab a saddle. I, thankfully, I was next to a Badlands, which had an abandoned mineshaft. And then there was a, a dungeon in the mineshaft. So, like, I got a saddle without oh, much effort, nice. which I, I, yeah. I spent a while fishing for mine in my survival world because I didn't have that, that kind of luck, unfortunately. Uh, so 
for, for me, I didn't mess around with the camel too much. I did find a little bit of the interaction with it very confusing and did not really understand the whole leap feature because when I first got on the camel, I was hungry and as a result, couldn't sprint. And when you're on the camel, you can't see your own hunger bar. And the sprinting of the camel is linked to your hunger, which makes no sense. <laughs> right. right. Okay. I hadn't even considered that. Right. So I thought, what is going on? And it wasn't until I got off the camel and then just of my own kind of like, oh, I'm walking slowly, eat some food, eat some bread. And then I got back on the camel and then started sprinting because right. the leap, <laughs> the leap was sending me four blocks. It was like, this is not useful at yeah, all. Yeah. Uh, because you just basically hit whatever's in front of you. It wasn't until I combined the sprint and the leap that I was clearing like 10 blocks roughly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and more if you start higher. Uh, and then I thought, okay, well, this is useful for getting across small gaps. But as you pointed out, I think in our live show that the rivers in Minecraft are a lot wider than 10 blocks in a lot oh, of yeah. places now. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and the camel sinks like a rock. Yeah. And once its head goes underwater, it just kicks you off and you have to, it, it then starts walking on the water. Uh, on top of it it doesn't swim it like bounces on the very top same thing horses you, do yeah yeah and then you get onto it and it just steadily starts to sink again until hopefully you can reach shore or it just goes underwater and you'd kind of like repeat this process to get across the river probably twice or three times and it's it's not a good feeling mechanic it feels very much like well it might as well just stop at the river's edge and very stubbornly be like nope not going across you know because it, it doesn't it doesn't feel very um intuitive i guess in that way um but once i got the hang of the leap mechanic i could see i could maybe see its uses but i i can't say i'm going to be focusing a lot on the camel in game i find them very goofy looking uh, especially when they move around the fact that they don't have any knees when they sit up uh, and sit down are it's an odd sort of pained slow process to watch mm -hmm. yeah. um the one thing i will say about them that i think looks good is how tall they are yes yeah, I think they're good in terms of player scale. They kind of loom mm. over you a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, they're quirky. I kind of like that. I found my first one sitting on top of the desert bell, which basically meant I could see underneath the thing from two blocks down. Um, and it was like, this is really weird. The fact that this camel is like balancing on the framework of a desert bell around a, uh, a desert village kind of city center. Um, so I thought that was that was hilarious. Um the the dash has a cooldown it basically stops you from dashing so that you can't spam it unlike the horse where you can spam it but it doesn't exactly jump you very high and that makes sense but it does make it kind of frustrating when you fumble the controls you don't don't like hold space for the right amount of time and it just kind of like lurches forward a little bit um it, you can clear pretty decent distances when it does i think it's going to be better for ravines than rivers like we were saying um, also, the subtitle for it is Camel Yeats, which is pretty great. <laughs> I think that and the sound effects they've added for them, like the subtitles and sound effects are both pretty, pretty choice. Uh, so I like that. Um, the thing about camels, the, the main problem with camels really is that mounts in Minecraft aren't all that useful once you get past a certain point and you have to kind of rely on using them for flavor more than for practical uses, right? Like, I can see camels being great flavor in desert builds, whereas I don't always put horses everywhere in my plains builds, but they really feel at home in the desert environment in the same way that horses feel kind of like they can go everywhere, but it doesn't make them particularly special anywhere, you know? Um, so I think camels are going to be going to be fun for that. The other practical side of camels is being able to use them to attack 
mobs but with the mobs unable to attack you if they're melee mobs um i think you need a knockback sword for that to have best effect because i tried spawning one in on the nether roof with a big platform of magma blocks which you have to take the pla the camel off of the magma blocks <laughs> I, I i discovered either that or splash it with uh fire resistance i suppose but um i tried using it as an easy zombie piglin farm and without knockback just hitting the piglin the fact that they get like shot upwards slightly by the force of you hitting them means that they get brought within melee range and they attack you so i think it's going to in a weird way in a kind of sideways way popularize the use of knockback swords if people start using camels for stuff like that um the only other problem with it is that you don't get the sweep attack while mounted on a camel or a horse so they're better for defense than they are for attack because you can't attack multiple mobs that way the way you could if you were just chopping away at mobs in a in a farm but uh yeah there's there's some interesting nuance to that stuff that i can see people exploiting to great effect a little later I agree with you that the noises are fun. I, I found that kind of quirky. I did kind of like a couple of double takes when I walked by my camel and it kind of chuffed at me. It just yeah. for no apparent reason, just kind of <laughs> mm -hmm. like, you know, kind of giving you a, a dirty word in camel. You're like, what did you just say? It just, it's, it, it's a yeah. different sound in Minecraft that you're not used to. Uh, the other thing that I thought would be a nice addition uh, because of how cool they look when they are just standing still and looming over a, a couple of blocks to fence mine in i had to put a two block high wall around it and you yeah, can they, still see they walk it. over fences don't they they actually yeah. like they they get over one and a half block high things yeah i didn't test walls because walls often have like a even if the thing is able of getting over fences it still is, is like nope you cannot pass go um but uh I, I haven't tested that however even if you have to do a two wall high wall uh the camel is still going to loom over the top of it and be very visible and because yeah. of how cool they look and if you want to have them for flavor the one thing i think they're missing is the ability to have some sort of decoration on them if you yeah. can't use them as a pack animal then maybe allow players to put banners on them you know uh the the, the llamas have the the piece of wool that you can add to them that'll add, give them a specific like kind of like a parka you know, kind of thing that they have. And it's got a very specific pattern for each different color of wool. And I feel like they should do the same thing with camels. Maybe not exactly the same. Like if you did it with a banner instead of uh, just a piece of wool, they are taller. It makes sense. I don't want the banner flapping around, but I feel like you could do something very unique and cool. And I mean, like, I don't know. I didn't, I didn't look this up, but I imagine that in places that do have camels around, an awful lot if that's you know an area of the world that you grew up in are they always just saddles i feel like whenever i've seen a camel in a movie it has some sort of blanket or something on it you know in the same way that people put blankets on horses so that the horses don't get like chafed from the saddle and, and stuff like that so i think it could be a, a cool flavor to add to them uh to again add value as you mentioned because once you get past riding mounts in the game you tend not to look back right yeah 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 i think that's that's probably going to be most people's stumbling block with the camel but i think it's cool that they exist and maybe it'll give players more variety i th I still think there's some mini game potential for some of them let's let's see what people end up doing with them uh let's move on to another slightly contentious feature we'll save hanging signs for last because i know we both quite like them and i like to end on a positive note but sure chiseled bookshelves what are mm. your thoughts? Because I think the they're fun for decoration, but right now I'm finding the functionality behind them really has some drawbacks. 
So I will defer to you on the functionality because we agree, I think, on all the points about the functionality. Uh, the texture is good. I mean, I think it's it looks like a hollow bookshelf, despite the fact that it's not modeled hollow, like it's, it's a solid block face. And they did a really good job of making it look like an empty shelf. Yeah. You know, I, and I like that part of it. Um, you are stuck with the oak texture chiseled bookshelf, but we anticipated that because it's going to go with the other bookshelves and it, it, the, the examples that they showed at Minecraft Live where it's were it being used next to existing bookshelves, which do, regardless of what wood type you use to make them, they always come out with like an oak texture. Um, the thing that surprised me when I was messing around with them in the snapshot, having built one, was that they need silk touch to pick them up. Do they? Yes, they do. When I went to go pick them up, it destroyed it. I was like, what? I, I just I didn't made break it. mine. I didn't think to break it because I just assumed it was going to stay intact. Mm -hmm. You just chop it up into firewood. It No, you don't get anything back. It just disintegrates. I wonder if that's an oversight. I wonder if that's just like something that they didn't intend. It, it, that's not mentioned anywhere in the change logs though, right? That's not like, no, a, you know, if, if you break of. this, you won't get it. But I, I assume, I, I genuinely hope that that's, that's an issue. Like that's a bug because... Like, it, it seems so absurd to me that you wouldn't get anything at all. Like, maybe if you chopped it up and you just got wood back, I would understand. But nothing? That seems no. a little excessive for the amount yeah. of wood you put into it, especially. Well, and here's the thing. So, like, the good news is that if you have bamboo, you can just craft a ton of these things. Well, like, sure, you, yes. It's not a complicated <laughs> recipe. And the thing is that uh, you don't get to know the recipe until you have one book. Yes, yeah. It doesn't unlock... The toast thing. Yeah, you will have one book long before you have Silk Touch, right? Yeah. So my guess is that it, it is a bug. But to me, it's like, well, these things are, one, they're not very useful if you need Silk Touch because you have to, in order to move them around. And then two, uh, they are very easy to craft. And so I feel like you get them long before you're going to have enough books to use them. Yeah. You know, because they are, I mean, it's planks and slabs. Like you have that <laughs> after you punch your first tree, you know, like yeah. it's, it's immediate. Um, but then you don't know that exists until you collect your first book. If you're a new player, if you were someone that was reading the snapshot notes and it's a different ball game, right? Yeah. So, so yeah, I, I don't know about, about that functionality of them. Um, and I think it's a little bit too early for them to have, like for them to require silk touch. I think, I honestly think if they're empty, I think you should just get them back. Um, but, but then I don't know how you communicate to players besides the bad feeling of trying to chop a bookshelf or a chiseled bookshelf full of books for the first time without silk touch and having you only get the bookshelf back or you only get the books back or something like that. Like, I feel like it's hard to communicate that without first the player experiencing the, the price of it. Yeah. Um, um Zachris so. in our live chat is pointing out that they've inherited that property from the regular bookshelf block which i guess like that's the yeah something that i had had not mm -hmm. considered if you break a bookshelf block you just get three books back you don't get any of the wood you put in the difference being i guess you need to craft it with the books so you're at least getting something back that you put into it it feels like yeah. the chiseled bookshelves should give you three slabs <laughs> or something like that right you at least yeah. get like the filler material from that and the um the bamboo can be used to make the chiseled bookshelf. So like if you get bamboo, you can make t tons of these things. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, like not, not a big deal. So it, I like the fact that they're wood agnostic. If they're going to force you to use the oak texture for them and not have variants, then at least you can make them out of whatever uh, and just move on from there. But I'm curious to hear your thoughts, though, on the functionality 
of, yeah. of the bookshelves. So they've gone for this last in, first out approach to filling them up. You always fill them in from left to right on the top shelf and then left to right on the bottom shelf, which I find is, you know, a little annoying if you want to use it for stuff like written books, because if you want to put those books into a bookshelf, then presumably you want to put volume one in the top left corner and volume six in the bottom right corner, but then you're taking it out volume six, volume five, volume four, and if somebody wants to read the first one, then they're going to have to pull everything out into their inventory. So, you know, maybe players' behavior adapts to that and we get used to filling it up six, five, four, three, two, one, and having the first book that you pull out be volume one but you've got to really rewire your brain to how you're using bookshelves in the game versus how you're using bookshelves in the real world for that to happen. So that's one issue that I have with them. The main problem, though, is that the combination of this and their redstone functionality really doesn't work so well. And comparators measure not the capacity of the bookshelf, but the last slot you interacted with which would be a much better concept if you could interact with the individual slots of the bookshelf, but you can't. So once you place a book in this thing, you've always interacted with slot one. And if you take the book out again, the comparator signal doesn't switch off because it's still registering that you took a book out of slot one. So it can never fully switch off. Once it's powered, you have to break and replace the block if you want to have an unpowered comparator behind that. The other thing is, to change the comparator output, you have to add or remove two books. Because if it's got three books in there, then if you take one book out, it's still going to measure a comparator output of three, because that's the last slot you interacted with, regardless of whether you put a book in or took a book out. And so the secret bookshelf door idea works in theory, but if you just take out one book and it doesn't work, you've got to put in a couple of books and like finagle it a little bit to get it back to where you wanted it to be in the first place. Um, so mm. you've got to add or remove two books for every change in the comparator signal. I don't think that's very good. So the main problem being, of course, they're trying to avoid adding a pop-up interface for it, the way chests or whatever, like hoppers, anything that has an inventory any kind of container typically has a, a UI associated with it. So they're trying to avoid that and make the block more tactile. I think that's good. I'm fine with that in theory. But then it doesn't really mesh well with the last in first out mechanic if they have to have this comparator thing where they measure the last slot you interacted with. Like if it just measured the shelf's capacity like a comparator does with most other containers, then you you get the, the redstone functionality you expect, right? If there are six books in there, then it's always outputting six. If you remove the sixth book, it goes back down to in outputting five. Like, that makes much more logical sense, and then you can turn it all the way off by removing all of the bookshelves. But then that loses the sort of unique feeling of it being to do with which bookshelf slot you interacted with last. I just think the only way they can resolve that for me is either set the comparators to measure the shelf's capacity and have it feel logical that way, or figure out some functional way of allowing players to interact with each different slot individually so that with the last five slots still empty, it can register when I've interacted with the first slot in the top left. And then it starts outputting a redstone signal of one, because then you can start to use them for more interesting stuff. But as it is, it feels like a compromise on both fronts. And I really hope that they can find some 
way of reconciling that whilst i think the problem they're coming up against with is making it accessible for mobile users and people who play on console and have to work with like a limited movement system compared to a keyboard and mouse and so it's harder for them to have the fine motor control of interacting with one specific corner of a block at a time or like the center of a block instead of slightly to the left slightly to the right i imagine that's where the stumbling block is but still i think it's not the right sort of compromise they've made if they they want the redstone functionality to work the way it does on paper so my argument against any kind of mobile or you know aiming crutch with with aiming at one of six locations on a block face Mm -hmm. we all have to play stairs upside down or sideways yeah I, i think it's totally doable like i don't think i don't think you're asking any more or at least you're not asking much more of of players aim to do this than you are to do stairs in in a, in a in a specific way um specifically when you've got stairs on stairs and you want to do like that thing where they kind of they have a different shape when they attach to one on the end and yeah, things like yeah, that yeah yeah i i think that 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 i think makes makes the argument for other platforms a little bit a little bit moot for me um but i agree with you i think they should either go intuitively it's volume six books equals power of six one book equals power of one fine um however i think that if they want to go with the last slot that you interacted with then they have to implement what you said which is allow players to interact with each slot individually which also opens up a lot of decoration abilities because otherwise you're just going to be stuck with these shelves that are in different versions of either the top row is full with one extra or there's two books like you don't have as much variety uh, as you do if you can put a book in only slot six or yeah. only slot five right and if you if it has the ability to detect which slot has last been interacted with it means that something like your super cool secret door could be something as simple as walking up to a bookshelf that's almost full and taking the book from slot one and putting it in slot six and that opens your door yeah like the, right? there's there's ways it can be made better like that <laughs> I, mm. I i really do think yeah um and on the on the flip side of this i've already seen a few people in the map making community i'll, I'll link a tweet to to uh vile 14 i guess is xiv is the uh the, the username on Twitter, uh, has posted um, a way map makers can retexture bookshelves and use them as a combination lock. So if you, you know, have the book's capacity change different block states, which it does when you fill up the, the bookshelves, then if you retexture that to just say one, two, three, four, five, six, then you can very easily use them in a map making context as combination locks, which looks really cool and looks like something that would look really great in just vanilla Minecraft in general, by the by. Uh, but yeah. I I think there's like there's different instances where the bookshelf block is fun and useful that way. I just think it's a disappointment that for its vanilla functionality and vanilla look, it can't deliver on what it feels like it's promising. Yeah. And if I mean if they have the the issue with, with the slots being inter- interacted with on the face of a block, give it a UI pop yeah, open those six slots and make them nice and big i know, know. It, it, it it feels like the kind of thing where they could just go down the ui route and that i think to the team would feel like a disappointment because i can feel mm-hmm. them wanting to steer away from stuff like that but i've seen some really nice 
UI cleanup mods in which they've effectively given like a fun texture to the interface itself so like with yes. the crafting table it's got like a an image of a crafting table and maybe there's like you know a pair of shears and scissors and like yeah. saws and stuff like around the outside and like cleaning up elements like that so they're not just big gray boxes i feel like goes a long way to selling some of that stuff and making the ui thing feel more unique and interesting and less like oh here's another like soulless element of this game that i'm interacting with like i i think there are if if they want to explore those avenues there are ways around that that makes adding a ui a more creative option than just feeling like another gray box disappointment you know i totally agree i've seen that as well in other mods watching other players and it just looks like you've walked up and you're looking straight down at the surface of this yeah. thing something mm -hmm. they can't give you a close-up view of in game but because you are using that particular interface they're saying okay well this is what it would look like if you're standing hip next to the crafting table and you were looking down and you could see what was actually going on i think i saw it in something some sort of smelting mod where you had to like have molds and stuff and you were looking straight down at the molds and you could see the shapes and you could see where the gems were going and stuff like that it was very cool and very intuitive you know easy to follow even though i wasn't playing at the time i was watching somebody um well to, to end on that positive note that you're talking about you want to talk about some some hanging signs yes hanging signs i think are my favorite new feature from the stuff that they've shown us already um they come in 10 wood types when you can craft them uh which gives you a huge range for decoration obviously that's limited to the the wood types we have but the fact that we have mangrove warped and crimson in there really expands things in terms of color options right so yeah. the way they showed them off in the screenshot that they had in the the minecraft live show with them all dangling from like a row of hanging signs and it feeling almost like you know somebody's laundry hanging out on a washing line or festival decorations and pennants and banners and that kind of stuff i love that i think those are those are really cool plus the hanging post when they're attached to the side of a block has collision but the rest of the sign doesn't so i've already seen people in the community using these as like handrails for bridges or i i started using them as like a kind of cat bridge that i could walk from one side of a village to another across the rooftops assassin's creed style you know could be kind of fun as parkour challenge stuff but then if you want to hang it from underneath of an existing block you don't get that collision element so you can walk through the signs and you could use that for all kinds of interesting approaches to doorways and you know have effectively like a beaded curtain hanging down in front of a door but made of signs instead that kind of thing there's a lot of options with them and i think the main flaws they have right now are things that they're taking feedback on quite clearly like the um text size being you know a little large compared to regular signs that we're used to fitting more text on in a single line um I, I think the only other outstanding issue that the community is pretty much entirely in agreement on is being able to write on both sides um but i think they have a ton of benefits i think they've got a very nice model for it i like the fact that there's variations and i think it's as a decorative feature like one of my favorite things they've done for a while <laughs> I mean, I, I agree. I, I, I like them a lot. And uh, while I only messed around with the bamboo and the oak ones, because those are the ones that I had the wood types for, I think I might have tried to make a jungle one, but I don't remember. Um, something I picked up from your, your video was that the um, metal bracing at the top of the hanging signs when you put them on a side block, like a, a um, the, the 
signs that have the the wooden post to them uh it changes you don't always get those metal brackets it's only jungle and, ones that it's not on i've discovered okay yeah so, so may, like, maybe like, that's an error i just i kind of would want them to be consistent i think but I haven't messed around with them all to, to say, oh, well, maybe I don't want them to be on like Jungle Warped and Crimson. Maybe I don't want the big metal, you know, brackets on those in mm -hmm. particular. Yeah. Um, but but I, you know, I I could see the need for, for, for variety, but I could also maybe see the need for consistency depending on how many different colors you wanted to use in a particular setup. Like it could be very, very different. Um, I agree with you in terms of the interface. I think it's a very simple fix. You When you first put down a hanging sign it gives you the face of the sign i think you just need two of those just put one on the left one on the right have one called front and one called back that's it you, you could put whatever you want on the front and whatever you want in the back if you want to copy it great it's a copy paste that works in signs now very easy i i don't think they have to do anything too crazy to the interface to to get them to have on both sides what i don't want them to do is auto mirror what's on the back like i i don't want to say this is my base, go left and have that also be on the back of the sign. That's I, if I'm going to make it the same, I want to type it in the same in both, both interfaces. I think that's what's, what's needed and why they're almost there for me. That's the one thing that I think they're missing. What I really like about them is that even though they are a sub block, they go the full length from left to right and from, uh, and the Y value up to down, they touch the top bottom and left and right of a full block. Mm -hmm. which means that not only do they touch one another when you line up a bunch of hanging signs together, as you mentioned, like running across a, a type rope almost, but uh, you can also um, use them as like a railing. Uh, and when you place them directly next to each other on a block spaces that are adjacent, you could still walk in between them. Yeah. So you can have a two wide block kind of rope bridge with signs, hanging signs on either side, and you can fit down the middle. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's very cool looking. And the fact that they connect in so many different ways means that if you don't want to use them as a sign, if you want to use them as some sort of inlaid trim on a building, if you want to put uh, glow ink on them and use them for something in a spaceship, like you could do all kinds of stuff with these things uh, in terms of like Minecraft impl implementations and a little bit of suspension of disbelief because they took the time to make sure that the model connects on all four sides, which I think is brilliant. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I think it's really good. One question people had when I was streaming this and, and my live chat was just kind of like throwing scenarios at me is whether or not they attached to fences or walls so that you could turn them into like a full-on like signpost with the fence post being like the pole oh, and then the, the signs yeah. attaching at, at multiple heights. And you can't, and the solution to that is typically, you know, you just put one fence or one wall sticking out from the top, and that supports a hanging sign rather than one of the ones with the um, the the pole supporting it as part of the, the sign itself. And there are a couple of ways that you can get around that. You can, if, you, if you're in creative, you can use the debug stick to cycle through the block states so it looks like the, the fence or wall is attached on one side but it doesn't match up perfectly with where the fence or wall would normally connect so it doesn't feel like the the hanging sign pole the post that they're attached to is really supported by the fence or wall looking like it's attached to it anyway so i think they've made the right decision there i think you sacrifice maybe a little bit in terms of um you know potential for for detail but you can you can do a lot with what we've already got with hanging signs uh, the, the the other thing i wanted to point out something that sort of 
like ties into the way we read this in the news read you get six signs for um six stripped logs right so it's six stripped logs and two chains um and normally with the plank and stick recipe for regular signs you get three signs from that so on the one hand i like how we get more of them to balance how expensive the material input is but that works for every material except bamboo because as discussed bamboo doesn't have logs so if you craft one of these with bamboo they're crafted with bamboo planks but you only get two signs in the output uh so you end up with fewer hanging signs than you would regular signs but you still make them with planks and so i think that's an interesting compromise i think there's i i haven't you know done the maths on whether that works out in terms of like material crafting ratio and that kind of stuff but i think it's interesting that there is one that has a unique crafting recipe but a unique output number at the same time the other thing that I noticed is unique, uh, which I think they could make consistent, even though I know I can see the logic behind it, is that I think in some of the uh, wood variants, the grain of the sign is going a different direction. Isn't that just... It, it kind of matches what the stripped log looks like, though, right? Because you've got jungle wood and mangrove wood, which have a horizontal texture. I'm pretty sure the grain is the same on the stripped log. Yeah, that's correct. But yeah. I think that when you're trying to match those signs up, it they stand out in a funny way because they do have a different. Yeah, I, I guess I guess sign. they look they look different from each other. But I think it's just because they they're using the stripped log texture to do that. I think that that's that's part of why. Like I can see it being consistent with stripped logs, but not just it not consistent with what other hanging signs look like. And it's yeah, you, you kind of got to choose one way or the other, I suppose. On yeah. on the flip side though, the hanging sign texture makes text way more readable. Like regardless of text size, oh, it yes. doesn't have the plank texture with the lines in the background with the kind mm -hmm. of higher contrast. So I feel like hanging sign text even if it's made smaller is still going to end up more readable than regular signs because it's using the stripped log as the background yeah do you find the the text limit restrictive i mean i haven't used them extensively enough to really know i, I was just typing out a couple of people's usernames from my twitch chat and i couldn't fit some of them on one line uh, you yeah. can just about fit the word pixel riffs on one line but then i couldn't have pixel riffs is books or something like that i i think mm -hmm. you'd have to you'd have to get a bit creative with how you name stuff but again that's another one of the things mojang does is introduce limitations so that you find ways to work around them I think they can probably find a happy medium in terms of the text size. I would like it to be somewhere between where it is now and regular signs. I think maybe not as small as regular signs, but I do think they make it make up for it with better readability anyway. So on Bedrock Edition, they have, I think, the same sort of area for text as a regular sign does. I think, honestly, the ability to write on both sides is more important to me than the text size. So if I had to choose one, probably like definitely actually i think i'd want to write on both sides of a sign yeah yeah I'd, i think i'd i'd want that too like i, I feel like it needs to be somewhere in, in the middle but i didn't mess around with it too much but um i did notice a couple of words i tried to type just being jokey on stream and i was like well i really okay i, I have to hyphenate that like that seems like a little yeah. bit of a a crunch you know well this was 
ostensibly our chunk mail dispenser episode we've spent basically a main discussion's worth of time talking about the snapshot but hopefully people were interested in hearing our thoughts anyway and if you've got some thoughts about this snapshot you can always email the show at spawnchunkmail at gmail.com to share them with us i'm sure we'll be getting plenty of input about the 1.20 features as the weeks roll on and hopefully we get some more of them we're now taking bets on whether or not there's going to be another snapshot this week my guess is no uh, but um best of luck with that minecraft community our first listener email this week comes in from mollus with the subject of sniffer what ifs hi johnny and joel what if the hay in the sunken village and underwater ruins chests is meant to hatch the sniffer eggs just like turtle eggs need sand underneath them to hatch i hope there is a designated block for the sniffer eggs that would also mean that players could use the egg as a decorative block for example in a museum next to something like a sniffer fossil also, the back of the sniffer looks like a place that you could plant some of the ancient seeds the sniffer will find. Do you think the sniffer will be a mob players can plant things on? Mollus was devoured by carnivorous plants while floating in elytra mode, daydreaming of all the what-ifs considering the sniffer. <laughs> That's an elaborate way to die, i got to say. Yeah. Uh, good, good job there. Well done. I, I like the idea of controlling whether or not the sniffer egg will hatch. I think that it it's taking an existing mechanic that players know in Minecraft. It's applying it to something that you may think looks cool that you might not want to hatch. hatch. You know, maybe you have enough sniffers. Maybe you really want to use the egg in different ways. Mm -hmm. uh, if it is a block like a hay bale, you could have that block and then maybe hide it. You know, like you, you, depending on how big the sniffer egg is, you might not see much of that hay bale block once the sniffer egg is on top of it. If you choose to hide the sides with trap doors or other blocks, stairs, whatever. So you could have like a little sniffer egg shrine, you know, and have it look pretty cool, I think. Uh, so that that to me is something that's a very interesting idea because when they, I mean, we only have the little cartoon of, of tiny Yens and tiny Agnes to, to look at, but that sniffer egg was not tiny. Like it looked like it was almost the full size of a block, like around chest size, like that kind of a, uh, of a chunk you know yeah um so i'm hoping they're that big because it makes sense because the things that come out of them the babies are look like they're as wide as a block and the adults look like they're two or three blocks wide so yeah. that that could be very very fun uh and i think that um having that mechanic in there would be would be neat i don't know about planting something on the back of a sniffer i like the idea i don't know from a technical standpoint how difficult that would be to implement i imagine it would be pretty hard especially if that plant then has an interactive situation like it is a carnivorous plant like i think that's maybe asking a lot i do like the idea of just for fun being up, able to go up to a sniffer bone meal it and have it just be a color like but <laughs> yeah. in, but in, in the same way that you dye a sheep but instead of the sheep wool going all one color you'll get yellow flowers or red flowers or blue flowers or pink flowers on your sniffers and i think that could be i just for just pure flavor it's just a skin like it's not it's probably not going to do anything you're not going to grow carrots on the back of a sniffer although that would be kind of funny um but i just i like the idea of just that little added touch of interaction and personalization. Like, is it your sniffer or is it my sniffer? We didn't name them. We didn't have any name tags. Well, mine's the one with the blue sniff flowers. Yours is the one with the red flowers, you know? Yeah, yeah. I think personalizing your sniffer is the best part of that idea. I think it would be difficult to interact with if that's like the only place you can plant these plants. But I do mm -hmm. like the idea mm -hmm. of being able to use the sniffer as like a mobile flower pot. Um, I think it'd be quite funny. Um, in the same way that you could have used the tough golem as a mobile armor stand or item frame right like you can you can kind of get a two for two for one there um yeah like aside from that i think 
the hay in the sunken village i think it being connected to the sniffer is a really cool idea like we found wheat and coal in ocean ruins since they were implemented but i think it's a cool idea that these are either sniffer food so you would feed them wheat the way you do with cows and sheep and other animals but or, or alternatively what mollus suggested of being able to hatch them on hay bale blocks that would make sense in terms of the mechanics we already know about with turtle eggs right it, it's got precedent for it and like you i'm expecting the eggs to be larger and not hatch in clusters the way that turtle eggs do but i like the idea of either yeah you you have them around the 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 hay bale block or alternatively maybe the coal is part of it and maybe they hatched around a campfire or near a furnace because the warmth of those could maybe incubate the eggs somewhat so we might even be be being fed a misdirect there if we're focusing on the hay too much and we're not thinking about the coal i like that idea too you know i like i like the idea of having to to heat them up to hatch them that's an interesting interesting thought because it, it requires more than just putting it somewhere and waiting you know like you have to then like you have to sacrifice some fuel maybe to to light a campfire or to have a furnace going or something uh, to get the sniffer to hatch I'm not, I'm not sure if that's something they'll end up doing but it's a, a cool idea and it kind of further cements my original impressions of the sniffer as looking like a pokemon because there are some pokemon that you have to like either breed or hatch under certain conditions and they turn mm. into different pokemon depending on whether it's day or night or whether they were near a fire pokemon at the time or something like that so there's there's potentially some inspiration that they can take there but i like the ideas for sure um yeah the the sniffer being able to have plants growing on the back of it i think is is a a really appealing thing in the same way that there is precedent for like mushrooms being in the game right like they've yeah. got mushrooms mm -hmm. growing on the back like the moo bloom could have been a similar kind of thing i i sort of wonder if they're going to leave that functionality out because like the camel not wanting that to be a pack animal and have like the llama carpets over the top of it maybe they're still holding on to the idea that the moo bloom might show up later and that mushrooms already have plants growing on them and that the the sniffer can't be a candidate for that because it had kind of already take up that space you know yeah pulling in a positive from the camel that i didn't mention uh, i really like the camel's walk animation in terms of the way that the back sways mm, so when yeah. you're on it and you're in like third person you're looking at it it kind of like wobbles back and forth and because the sniffer is such a heavy lumbering uh animal i think it would be cool if they had a very similar kind of like weight shifty animation to it because i think that would add given given how wide it is it would be very noticeable and i think it would give it that unique look that you don't have in other mobs in, in minecraft right now also i still want them to have six legs i know it's probably not going to happen but i would still mm -hmm. like them to have six legs if you're not going to give us knees mojang give us an extra <laughs> set of legs yeah that's that they need them to get around at that point our next email comes in from kive kitty or sive kitty i can't decide how to pronounce that uh it's a unique plant for a unique mob Hi, Pix and Joel. Now that the sniffer is officially voted in, I've been thinking of what plants they should find. I think purely decorative plants should belong to the world generation and not be locked behind a mob you have to find and breed. I like the Venus flytrap idea that Joel had mentioned in a previous episode and would like to expand upon it. My name for this concept is the Nephenthes, another insect-eating plant species. It should act like a wither rose, but only for arthropods damaging them and preventing them from spawning. When the Nephenthes gets infected with Skulk, 
it could mutate into a monster that attacks everything within range. What do you think? Will this change creeper farms? Can we now create plants versus zombies in Minecraft? Thanks for the great podcast. Sive Kitty dozed off because Minecraft Live started at 1 a.m. local time. Well, <laughs> that's that's too early. Even even as somebody who covers these shows for streams and whatnot, yeah, that's 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 early to be staying up for for a Minecraft Live. What was our coverage? Two and a half hours? That would mean like 3.30 a.m. bedtime? Yep. Like, nope. <laughs> I think my, my neighbors would hate me even if I didn't hate myself. Maybe when I was 23. Spoiler, folks, I am no longer 23. <laughs> it has been a while. So the, uh, the, the idea of them growing anything not decorative, I think while obviously they've only said that it's going to create decorative things, so we're not getting ahead of ourselves, but in a, in a purely speculative sense, I think this is an interesting idea. The idea that purely decorative plants belong to world generation. I feel like so far, really all plants have been part of world generation, so I think that's an interesting boundary to set. And I think the only purely decorative plants we really have right now are things like small drip leaf and spore blossoms, and I guess ferns. Um, but then you still find ferns in things like, um, you know, village chests and things like that. Like spore blossoms and small drip leaf. I think you can get small drip leaf from the wandering trader still. Um, so the idea that these things should just belong to world generation isn't, strictly speaking, how Minecraft has been operating so far. Um, I'm just saying let's not get ahead of ourselves here and imagine that it's going to have something non-decorative only to be disappointed when there isn't much mechanically driven stuff behind it. Yeah, I mean, it sounds a little bit OP to me to have a carnivorous plant on the back of something that could move. And if you have to feed it, that means you could lure it and move it on purpose, that or with a lead, you know, or you could tether it in spot and, and move it to where you want. So I, in a way... You know, like it's it'd be cool if the carnivorous plant had a specific appetite instead of eating your cats and the cattle, although I would feed it cats. Um, <laughs> I, I feel like it's one of those things where you're 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 putting an awful lot into one type of plant. Uh, and I don't know at what point having a plant that only damages a specific type of hostile mob is any different than just making a farm that only spawns that mob and then using a magma block or a different killing mechanism that exists in the game. Like, I don't think they're necessarily adding anything by having a carnivorous plant that focuses on one thing. Yeah, the uh, um, the wither rose only for arthropods sounds like a request from somebody who wants spiders to stop spawning in their creeper farm. <laughs> I'm pretty, right. I'm yeah. pretty sure that's the motivation for that one. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, our correspondent can let me know, but yeah. <laughs> I do think that's... Uh, that's a, definitely a wish fulfillment thing there. Infinite trapdoors with a bamboo farm. You yeah. know, like just that that kind of a thing is now, you know, you can, you don't have those hard resources to get to make those sparse, um, those farms spawn a specific type, type of mob. Um, so yeah, I think that, you know, having it be not a decorative plant, I think is, is kind of out, out there. Um, I do like the idea of, you know, having the the decorative plant behind the sniffer. I think that's that's one of the things I really liked about the mob and why I voted it in. And um, I have noticed, though, that a lot of our emails about the sniffer and about the new decorative plants have used S. So I'm, I'm using that on purpose. Uh, as far as I can tell, it's a new decorative plant. <laughs> I don't think we're going to be getting more than one. I so think, I I think of official 
communication about the sniffer has said plants. Really? All yeah. right. Well, I mean, I'm not going to say no <laughs> to, yeah. to like, I would want that. Sure. Um, but we had another email from Lord Darkwood about biome specific plants. And, and they asked, do you think the sniffer will find biome specific plants? If so, do you have any rough ideas on what they would be? And I love that idea because it goes to both uh, Sive Kitty's idea of world generation and ties in what I would like the sniffer to do, which is be useful to bring in different plants. So if you take your sniffer and hatch it or breed them or transport them to specific biomes, what if in different biomes it would dig up a different kind of plant. Now, there's a lot of different biomes in the game, so it might not be every single biome because that's a lot of plants to add to the game. Sure. But yeah. what if it was like different temperature, like, you know, moderate biomes, cold biomes, warm biomes, right? So that, that narrows down the kind of plants that you're going to get. Also commensurate with what they've done with frogs already because we have three different types of frogs for temperate, warm, and cold biomes. There you go. So I think that's a cool idea, pardon the pun. And I think that you could do something like that to encourage exploration. They just did a giant overhaul of the world. Why not encourage players to go and explore and find more cool stuff with the Caves and Cliffs update, right? Uh, I don't know if those biomes are going to include um, vertical biomes. Like what kind of plant does the sniffer find in a lush cave? You know, like that could be very different and very cool compared to what it might find on the surface. I don't know how nitty gritty they might get with this particular, you know, idea suggestion. Uh, but like for things like a carnivorous plant, the jungle, frozen biome. What about a crystal plant or a crystal looking like an ice crystal plant? Uh, desert for like a beautiful desert oasis bloom. I don't mind it being counterintuitive. You know, like you kind of think like desert, you're not going to get very much for plants, right? Yeah. But I, I wouldn't mind the ancient now extinct plant that you dig up in a desert that maybe was an ocean at one point, right? If you want to get into some Minecraft education, maybe you dig up some sort of, you know, sub um, aquatic plant from a desert. Completely counterintuitive, but but could lead to some really interesting ideas. So I do like the combination of like the biome specificity specificity of the sniffer and the effort in versus reward out. The only thing that remains to be seen would be any indication if these plants, once you get them with all this work from a sniffer, once you get one, can you bone wheel it and get more? Or do you have to wait for the sniffer to dig up more seeds? Yeah, yeah. There's there's still some mechanical stuff that I'm looking forward to actually trying out with the sniffer mm -hmm. once it starts to arrive in snapshots, which I assume won't be for a little while. It was only just voted in, so yes. they don't have a working prototype for it right away. Um, but yeah, just to clarify what we were talking about earlier in their Minecraft Live 2022 recap article on Minecraft.net, it says when the sniffer grows up, it will help you find ancient seeds that you can grow into different decorative plants. So okay. the fact that they are different <laughs> kind of implies plural. Although it may be that we find one set of ancient seeds and then either when you grow them, they grow into something different and random each time. Maybe variations on an individual plant, but one that can occur in different colors for different decorative purposes. Or as Lord Darkwood's email suggested, being able to find them in specific biomes, plant them in you know the jungle, they'll grow into something different. I like that as a concept. I think that's a really cool idea. Crops growing or you know plants growing in a specific place leading to a different result is, is a cool idea and gives you all the more reason to circumnavigate the world with your sniffer. Um, 
I wrote that in my notes and then I realized that circumnavigate kind of sounds like something you do with globes and like circular objects. And I'm like, does that apply to a flat world where it's made of cubes? <laughs> so mathematicians come up with a bit like is cubo navigate a word yet? Um, you'll have to come up with a better a better word for me. Um, I think we're probably going to cut it there. We had one more email that I think we'll push to the render distance portion of the show just because we've already talked for a long time about the news and everything. So I think we're going to wrap it up there for this episode of The Spawn Chunks. Thank you so much for listening, folks. You can find more information about the show and links to some of the stuff that we've talked about today at thespawnchunks.com. The music for the show is composed by me, and The Spawn Chunks is proud to be a listener-supported podcast. If you're getting some value out of the show, why not consider putting some value back in? You can visit patreon.com slash thespawnchunks to join our community, where pledging at any level will get you an invite to our patrons-only Discord chat. You can listen to the show as it is recorded live, usually at uh, 2pm UK time, um, but depending on various things it can happen later it can happen earlier uh we also have our monthly minecraft audio hangout coming up that's once again on the 29th on saturday the 29th we'll be talking to our patrons about all of the stuff they've been up to in minecraft and their thoughts on minecraft live and the 1.20 announcements we're currently at 341 patrons not all of whom show up for these hangouts but it's always nice to have a crowd and there's always room for more special thanks go out to our content engineer patrons hunter 555 jumbo sale and yitz thank you for your support on this episode Sharing the podcast with your friends is the easiest way to support the show. You can find us at The Spawn Chunks on Twitter and Instagram. Personal recommendations are by far the best way to share the podcast. Just poke a friend in the arm from a safe distance and tell them where they can find the show. That includes locations like iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and even on YouTube. Be sure to leave us a rating or a review on your favorite platform. You can email the show at spawnchunkmail at gmail.com. The RSS feed is linked on the spawnchunks.com. And the patron-only RSS feed is on the Patreon page. That is where you can listen to the render distance, the extended version of the podcast. My name is Johnny, but online I go by Pixorifs. You can find most of what I do at youtube.com slash Pixorifs, where I try to make sense of this bizarre and wonderful game in Season 2 of both the Minecraft Survival Guide and Empire's SMP. Stay tuned for Empire's SMP this week and next. You're not going to want to miss it. Uh, I stream three days a week on Twitch as well, where I do behind-the-scenes work for my YouTube series, and I might play a bit of Minecraft Bingo this week, actually. I'm the voice of the unofficial Hermitcraft recap, which you can find through a quick YouTube search. And aside from that, I'm at Pixorifs on both Twitter and Instagram. Joel, where can people find you online? Everything that I am doing online can be found at joelduggan.com. You can check out my other podcast, The Citadel Cafe, at thecitadelcafe.com. Surprise. And hey, another surprise. Johnny was on this week, and we talked about The Lord of the Rings, The Rings of Power, the last two episodes, but more of a season recap as well. Had a really good time. If you liked this epic podcast, then you enjoy that one too, because it was a long one. You can follow me at Joel Duggan on social media and Joel Duggan on Twitch, where I stream at least three days a week, Lego on Fridays, Minecraft on the weekends, and I fill out the rest with other things like Satisfactory and hopefully some new games in the future. Thanks for visiting the Spawn Chunks. The world outside is infinite, and these camels aren't going to yeet themselves. Thank you.